Welcome to Mobile Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbele, and this is being recorded live on Skype, April 4th, 2020. Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model railroading. We are continuing on with this notion that Model Rail Radio is a critical service, a most important service through this time of lockdown. I hear snickering. It can only be the one and only Dave Barraza. Dave, <laughs> what, what's your view? Do you, do you feel Model Rail Radio is a critical service through the period of uh, the new normal? Absolutely. Very 100%. good. 100%. Very good. So are you... Are you considered a critical service in what you do, or are you a lockdown currently? What What's your current status, and what is it meaning for the hobby in your part of the world? Uh, yes and yes. Um, because my company supplies the rail industry, we are classified as essential. We're all working from home, which for me is not a change at all, since I, I'm a work-from-home employee to begin with. I have been assisting others in all the subtle nuances of of actually remote working <laughs> you know number one be the squeaky wheel otherwise nobody's going to know you're there <laughs> i mean yes yes yeah it's interesting actually the only thing that has really changed for me is i'm now drinking full strength coffee and of course i'm working <laughs> from home it's interesting times interesting times but i do i have actually utilized this time to organize a bunch of stuff and i think that seems to be the case with a lot of people that they're just looking for like mindless stuff to do And organizing things just seems to be the way that it's going down. In terms of your particular passion, I mean, let's move relays to one side. Let's move your other, you know, semi-model rail-related interests. In terms of your layout specifically, are you setting yourself any goals through the lockdown? Anything changing? There's a lot of projects that I've been putting off that are that have been brought to the forefront. And uh, one thing that I am doing every day is uh, changing out plastic couplers for metal. Uh, checking wheel sets and adding resistors to all my cars so that the, they'll trigger the signal system. This is something that I didn't think I would have completed any time in the foreseeable future. But now, you know, there's these large chunks of time where Joanna and I are watching something on Netflix or Hulu, etc. Mm. And re- adding resistors is a great little busy work task to be doing while engaged with, uh, you know, TV or something like that. Mm, I've been building models. I've been um, turning portions of the layout upside down so I could get to this, the switch points and, and mount machines underneath and get those powered up. So I'm kind of ex- working on extending the signal system, something I'd been waiting to do until uh, at least May, because mm. it, it, it certainly appears that the, uh, uh, operational open operational event for long island which is going to take place in about a month is is uh certainly in danger of being canceled at this point Mm. the delta between the official line and the practical reality is always interesting but yes certainly (laughs) we're following the concept here that will probably be locked down until well into the summer and even though the government may be slow to say that because obviously rioting ensues um the yeah the notion that this thing will be done anytime soon is just doesn't seem to be the case. So yeah. you're you're pretty close to New York City, right? We're seventy miles out, so okay. we're not super close. Okay. And uh, as remote workers, I, I think the last time I was in the five boroughs had to, was probably before Springfield. Hmm. So sometime in mid-January. Hmm. Well, I think I could probably release publicly, and I'm really—it's not that I'm embarrassed to say this. I'm more disappointed to say this, but I'm not disappointed in you, Dave Brazza. Because you were one of the two entries in our layout design contest. And quite frankly, 
this is probably in the highest dollar prize offering we've ever offered in Model Rail Radio. And I'm still trying to kind of work out why so few people... I think the shelf layout design is probably a no-brainer. The room layout design, I think, probably takes a little bit more time. But just the weathering from Ralph Ranzetti alone, I think, is like a reasonable... Like, I just can't believe that we didn't get 50 entries for this thing. But we only got two, and I haven't had the opportunity of actually syncing with Ron Kleiss. But I'm pretty sure you're... If if you're not the winner, you're going to get some serious prizes anyway... So I wanted to thank you very much for entering the contest. And to of the rest course. of the listenership, I want to say, what's up, dudes? I mean, seriously, this whole thing was like really, really strange. I do appreciate, look, global pandemic. There are other things that people can be worrying about. But uh, yeah, this, from my perspective, I mean, if I wasn't the host of Model Rail Radio, I would have entered this contest just for the remote possibility of getting something weathered by Ralph Franzetti. Not saying anything. My mount models, clearly amazing stuff. And obviously the creaky chair stuff as well. Not saying anything about those two, but just the weathering of Ralph Ranzetti alone, I think, is worth the uh, cost of entry any day of the week. So my hope is that Ron Kleiss and I, and Ron also is an essential worker, uh, mm-hmm. and is basically on the front lines of this thing with regards to New Jersey. So my view is that sometime probably in the next couple of weeks, Ron and I will get together. We will make an announcement on one of these model rail radio shows, and I will uh, pay for the kits and stuff to, to get sent. And the Anyway, so thank you very much, firstly, for entering Dave Brazza. Apologies that we don't have an announcement today specifically for you. Um, but, yeah, it was wonderful to get your entry, and it was just really very strange. I mean, we got an entry kind of mid-month, and then we got your entry uh, more recently. And I kept saying to people, you know, maybe you should consider entering. Something might be there. But It's kind of a shelf layout seems like a manageable bite. Yeah. And a uh, 12 by 18 room is, <laughs> you know, Certainly. that's a full meal. I understand. Um, and I, I have to say that I had been working on it since shortly after it came up mm. in the shows, shortly after it was announced. Mm. Um, so it, I had a lot of time to spend with it. And it, I didn't work on it the whole time, but mm-hmm. I did feel like it, it was I, a lot I didn't of work. feel any. I didn't feel any time pressure. Okay. Well, it's good to keep in mind. I don't think we'll be doing any room layout design contests going forward. I think the shelf layout seems to be the perfectly pitched thing. But yeah, I, I was genuinely surprised we didn't get more entries just for just for the Ralph Reds Eddie Weathering Prize alone, which I don't know how much he charges, but I think is basically a good portion of the, the prize pool. So yeah, anyway, moving on from that. So you have a few projects Obviously, have, have you been watching some of these virtual operating sessions that have been kicking off over the past few weeks? Uh, a couple of them. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued about it. I've been trying to get some of my round robin group to engage in a, a multi user SimSig dispatcher mm-hmm. sim- simulation. But uh, aside from one individual, there's kind of a bit of a learning curve with the software. Mm. So it's I wouldn't rule it out, but. Um, no, uh, I, I, I at least want to get my, uh, my iCar complete. Mm. I, have to, I have to find that down in the basement, make that an evening project, yeah. uh, because then somebody could, could easily drive it remote. Mm. I, ha- I have the luxury of a, of a fixed IP here so that it's pretty easy for, for me to get people to come in, get into JMRI remotely, and, uh, mm. and operate. So that would I, be really I, cool. That would be yeah, really I'm, cool. I'm enjoying this, uh, and uh, it's, it's a way... I, I miss the camaraderie of, mm. of having people, you know, of a Thursday night operating session. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really afraid that without 
people coming to my basement once a month that I'll eventually lose the forward drive that I have at the mm. moment to get things done. Yeah, I, I have another podcast. I don't want to seem like I'm cheating on this one, but I do have another podcast which requires me actually to get a space ready and do some remote gameplay related things. And it has been really, it's been editing Model Rail Radio, getting the table ready, editing Model Rail Radio, getting the table ready. The <laughs> video um, component to this thing, and I think also I was talking to Mike Devrell recently, and in fact I've talked to a couple of like video YouTube hobby folk, and they seem to be saying that this thing is really getting very important in people's lives. I mean, that was certainly the feedback that I gave to Mike Devrell as well, was mm. actually my wife and I sat down and watched two of his videos just because it was really nice seeing like Mike Devrell in his layout room. And my wife's met Mike and this kind of stuff. So I think the need for video in the hobby is being expressed. What I'm finding really fascinating, because I get this through some folk at work as well, is that the corporate podcasting space, the ones with pre-roll ads, all that kind of stuff, is falling flat through this current time. But the hobby space is getting really, you know, exciting, associated with lots of people uh, joining and getting interested. And I think what's happened through this period of time is people have refocused back on what they find really important in their lives. And that I think is really fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, I mean, I've seen some of the uh, offerings. I've watched the Twin Cities ones uh, on Friday. I'm really interested to see how this actually brings more people into things like operating sessions. I mean, the, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the Twin Cities one on Friday, but the, the, gentleman with the last name lemons his layout is amazing um oh luke lemons luke lemons yeah his layout yeah. is amazing he's he's not a he's not an elderly gentleman at all he's just someone who's obviously put in the time over 20 years had the luxury of living in the same place for that period of time but certainly put the time in over that period of time and built just an exceptional layout that is just absolutely stunning and um just to get introduced to these people through this kind of interface, I think, is absolutely fascinating. So my hope is that more clubs and, you know, regional folk will start doing this as a means of just showcasing some of the best and the brightest in their area. And, yeah, and I think it's going to be a fascinating time as people start to consume this stuff. And I, I for one, Dave Brazza, I'm really looking forward to the, uh, even if I'm not on the iCar, even if I'm just a security <laughs> camera on the wall observing the Russian roulette of the speeding passenger train <laughs> this this thing i think could have a wide variety of different perspectives but i for one i'm really looking forward to you getting into this thing and, and look i've got i've got an excess of security cameras obviously now i'm living at home the whole need to have all the security cameras around the house isn't there so if, you, if you're short of a few security cameras i could probably send a couple your way uh and yeah I'm, I'm interested in seeing this thing happen so if you have any inkling that it might start up please let me know because i certainly would love to be a fly on the wall um, through this kind of chaos, so certainly <laughs> the, uh, the 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 laptop that I'm using for Skype is sitting on top of a box of two Nest cams, mm. so uh, certainly uh, they might be re repurposed into basement cams, at least, at least on a temporary basis from time to time. Certainly, certainly, Dave Fraser, you know how we do things. There are a few people on the call. Always a pleasure catching up. Please do stay safe. I'm glad that you're able to work from home. I'm glad Joanne as well is able to work from home uh, mm -hmm. too. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, to seeing what happens in terms of your layout space uh, through this uh, 
new normal lockdown period. But thank you very much for calling in today. Sure, Tom. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. Take care. I would like to welcome back on a gentleman who I believe currently is in the US. I'm not sure. Nigel Katshaw, are you in the US or are you in Australia currently? I'm back in Australia. We scampered out of there uh, <laughs> nearly two weeks ago. I tailed out of there. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. With getaway music when, playing. Right. When they, when they were cancelling flights, we went, hmm, I think it's time to go. Okay. I think they were talking end of end of May before they were getting flights back in with yes. the joys of coronavirus. So, yeah, we went, goodbye. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So now you're back in Australia. Are you on lockdown currently? Are you working on your land? Yes. What's going on with regards to... You specifically, but also with regards to the hobby in general in your area. Um, well, I'm working from home at the moment because my mm-hmm. my idea was that because uh, normally we do like six weeks on and two weeks bar and R where we do whatever we want. I said no, I'm not. Well, before all the lockdown and the, everything else, I went no, I'm not taking R and R. I'll work from home and then do what I want to do on R and R. But um, yeah, we were. It's all similar over the world. We're all yeah, pull pull back and. Uh, Shouldn't be going anywhere, only, only go when you, where you have to, all those sort mm-hmm. of things. So, Certainly. Um, but I've got a few things I've been catching up with with the hobby myself. So, um, yeah, installing a few DCC sound decoders and Wonderful. organizing a lot of stuff. So, cool. uh, I was using my uh, extra luggage to bring stuff back from the US while mm. I was there, saved on postage. So, yeah, I've got uh, lots of stuff to catch up on. What, what did you pick up? What, what choice items were in your luggage? Uh,. Uh, when I actually ended up at Trainfest, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was I went I went both days, and the first day I had a look at scale trains, and they had that SD forty T dash two, and I mm. went, yeah, oh, why not? So <laughs> picked up one of those. Some structures, uh, a lot of platforms. Um, for when I eventually get going, at the moment I'm still painting the shed, but that's mm-hmm. all done apart from the floor now. So we're getting closer. Cool. Ever closer. So, for folks who've never been to Trainfest, this sounds like the promised land. I mean, obviously, you've, you've been to some, you know, train conventions of various places. How does it compare to, you know, the standard Australian offerings? And, you know, what were some of the pluses and the minuses that you observed? Uh, the big plus was just with the um, being able to actually catch up with the manufacturers mm. um, and, you know, have a look at it face-to-face, there's a few uh, – and get a bit more information than you can online a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Um, but, yeah, mostly mostly talking to the vendors. Uh, there was a lot of stuff for sale. But, I mean, I I was I did a dash over from the other side of the U.S. Actually, surprisingly, uh, uh, U.S. is a big place. So it's a it huge me, place. It's the size of Australia, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. But, uh, yeah, seven hours in flying each way mm-hmm. it, it took me to, <laughs> and, and a few stops. So. Yes. It was it was fairly epic to get there, but um, no, it was, it was much bigger. It was good. Yeah, lots of vendors. Uh, it's good to see all the new stuff that these guys brought out and, and look at it face to face in the flesh. Uh, caught up with Lionel and the crew over there when mm-hmm. they were there. They had a big meeting over there. Um, but yeah, no, and also caught up with one of the um, model railroader people there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah, he was there doing a bit of a. A wander around. There are actually less of those guys than I thought there would be for such a big show. It was yes. mostly just a, a stand for sales, and that was it. Yeah, I think they, they utilize the shows 
primarily to get local advertising. I mean, that's what they're aiming for at the show specifically, with the view that the subscribers are subscribed anyway. Uh, but their big thing is selling ads at those kind of places, and they want to find local vendors and stuff that they can sell ad space to. I've been introduced to them at a couple of shows, and immediately the first thing that they put me in front of the advertising people. Like, that's what I do. It's like, yeah, it is a rather strange uh, experience to actually see. And occasionally, did you get on any layout tools or anything when you were at TrainFest, or were you just specifically there for the show? Uh, just specifically there for the shows, obviously. Okay. Uh, it took four days. I, I took four days off, so mm-hmm. I managed to uh, convince my project manager that <laughs> I could I could do that. So yes. he, he begrudgingly gave me four days, but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't stretch any longer really. Mm. It was like yeah, two day, two days of just full flying really. Mm. So yeah, it was just a show. I did see there are other clinics there, and it would have been nice to catch up with that. But anyway, that's all right. We, Fair uh, enough. But yeah, I caught up with um, uh, I saw Ron Kleiss there and mm-hmm. a chat to him briefly. Who's the other guy at the in Canada? Um, Flagging. Clark Keening, that's it. Yeah. yeah, caught up with him, had a quick chat to him. Wonderful. So, you know, it was good. No, it's, but much bigger, much way, way bigger than anything in Australia. So. Yeah. No, TradeFest is one of the ones, I mean, obviously people talk about Springfield, but from my perspective, TradeFest sounds like a friendlier Springfield with a lot more characters that I would want to meet from that part of the world. So, yeah, I, I do hope one, one year I'll be able to, uh, as you say, get away from work and attend uh, TradeFest specifically, because I think it's got a lot to offer. And certainly uh, we have a Mike O'Dorney. Um, you know, Mike says that this is the show to model. Like, this is a show. If you want to create a perfect setting for model railroaders, look at TradeFest, look what they do right, and then, you know, duplicate it elsewhere. So I'm a little bit jealous, a little bit jealous that you have the opportunity to... And also you got to, to meet Lionel Strang. My suspicion, he's got a book apparently coming out that I'm in. So I did promise him that I'd go up for, uh, for the book launch. And, you know, if I'm able to travel and everything goes back to normal, perhaps I'm looking forward to, and I also have friends in Canada, number of friends, including obviously Chris Abbott, who I really do want to meet. So my view is that the Barbelay Canadian trip is only a matter of time away. Um, Clark Cooning, I've met many times. I bought sushi for Clark Cooning many times, just met him casually many times. Uh, Clark had, was omnipresent in the hobby for about a decade. Like, he was basically at every train show. Now, not so much. Now he's retired, obviously, so you were lucky to, to have the opportunity to meet him. Uh, but, yeah, so many just wonderful people in this hobby. But, yeah, Lionel Strang is still on my to-meet list, and uh, I will eventually meet him. <laughs> I only met him briefly. He was busy trying to organise stuff, so I just sort of... Uh, yeah. That, um, from my perspective, of... that's the worst possible experience. I'd need to buy the gentleman dinner or something like that. And I wouldn't get him a yeah. hot dog. I'd get him something more substantial. Um, but yeah, in order to, to have a proper conversation with him, he and I used to Skype a lot, like off show and stuff. And I think particularly through the early days of AML and prior to AML and a bunch of times we just used to chat. And now, um, obviously, yeah, both of our times are, are more focused on other stuff. But yeah, I've got a lot of time for Lyle and I'm looking forward to meeting him one day. So be a nice thing. In terms of the hobby in general, You've got locomotives to update. Is there a possibility that you'll get your shed finished, your space finished through the period of time of lockdown? Is that something that you can put some focus on? Or is it still, you know, six months away, basically, associated with completing that project? I'm hoping it's only two months away. Okay. Um, I've got just finished basically painting the walls uh, yesterday. Cool. And then, but I want to paint the floor. Everyone talks about the 
concrete and everything, but it's a it's a bigger job actually. You know, they sell you the stuff and go, yeah, you just paint it, and then you actually read the instructions and go, oh, okay, right, yeah, this has got a little bit more to it. You know, yes, gurney it, fill cracks, wait for it to dry. So it's a it's a pretty big job, but no, that's in the next couple of months we're hoping to knock that one off. I might have a help with my brother, but it depends on whether he can travel and whether he wants to travel. That's mm-hmm. the other the next thing with all this. Everyone's in lockdown and trying to stay away from it. I think we're on the uh, – looks like we're starting to get over the hump with that curve, but we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, I know in the US it seems to be going gangbusters over there. Was well, I think it's associated with tests. I mean, that's the real thing. The If you don't have – I mean, in our area, they've been able to test 9,000 people, and that's a population of 1.9 million. So until <laughs> you have tests – that are just there, omnipresent, you can't get a scope on anything. And I think the same is, is true in Australia. There just aren't enough tests. So it's very, it's easy to see the curve drop down if you just don't have, I mean, in our area, literally in our county, they didn't have tests for like three or four days. So of course the curve dropped out. <laughs> We're getting into yeah, data. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting to actually watch how this thing is being manhandled in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, the the whole oh yeah yeah no it's getting better it's getting better no they just haven't tested people for three days <laughs> so you know anyway. <laughs> well, well the, the worst part is when you're in lockdown and you every little twinge or cough or you yeah. kind of go or sore throat you go mm, is this it or what is it and then it goes away and you yeah. okay well, that well I had, I had a anything. really bad cold for the start of it like I had a mild fever cold and my wife was stuck on a cruise ship as well. So oh, I had yeah, a strange that. experience where I was basically recovering through the, is this coronavirus what did you, kind of thing? And then, of course, the doctors couldn't test me. I contacted my GP and what have you, and they're like, oh, no, we can't do anything. So, you know, you just have to wait it out. Just have to wait it out. Yeah, yeah, well, not too much longer. It's only two weeks. I mean, fortunately, I'm at home, whereas I think uh, about a week ago they actually started shipping people straight off to a little tiny hotel for you to go crazy in mm. two weeks. So All fun. All fun. Mm. <laughs> anyway, we have a few people on the line here, Nigel. It's been a pleasure catching up. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're back in Australia, and it sounds like you've got projects to keep you busy. And are you going to – I mean, eventually, when everything's settled, you will come back to the US, or is that job just finished? Uh, we have a bit to do on it. We've got to do performance tests. Uh, we've got a few guys on the ground continuing okay. on. Whether I need to go back, I'm not sure. Okay. So I, think okay. It'll be, I think it'll be rather short. Uh, one thing I – because we were in, we were flying in and out of, from Reno to LA and back mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was into it. And we used to do a few trips around Reno. I think uh, I've been way behind on podcasts. And I think it was September or earlier that you were talking to people and saying, oh, there's heaps of, heaps of people modeling around the Reno area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's a bit, bit disappointing. I could have used well, the opportunity then to probably catch up, but I'll yeah. see what happens. No, certainly uh, we've had a, a few participants. I've just, I can see the gentleman's faces, but they don't have names. There's a fellow who's who's in Reno who has repeatedly invited me. He came down to the Sacramento show. Oh, my goodness. The name that comes to mind is my accountant's name and not the gentleman's name, so I know that's not his name. Anyway, yeah, so we do have listeners in that area. So, um, yeah, look, our Reno listeners, apologies, firstly, for flaking on names. Uh, but, yeah, certainly if Nigel's getting back to the Reno area, we should be able to organise something for you because there's a gentleman that has – Quite a substantial layout. He's ex Bay Area. He has quite a substantial layout. Um, Dennis Drury. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> anyway, Dennis Drury is one of them. There's another gentleman in that area too. Um, thank you. I think that must have been Mike O'Dorney, um, who also knows Dennis. Uh, but yeah, so there are folk in Reno, and uh, 
if you do go back, please let me know and I'll try to organise something. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Well, you know how we do things, Nigel. Please stay on the line. We've got a lot of folk to talk to. And, uh, yeah, if anything comes up, jump back in. Pleasure talking as always. Thank you. I'd like to welcome a gentleman who has had a lot of very interesting, somewhat curious and disturbing things happen recently, but thankfully, hopefully, is staying safe. Jim Gifford. I think this is the first time we've had a chance to chat since the, the floods. Maybe you've called him once since then. How is all that going? I mean, obviously, you guys are, are stuck somewhere in Adelaide currently, but um, how's everything going? Yeah, we certainly are, Tom. We're still in the temporary accommodation in the city. Don't like this apartment living. It'd be mm. nice to go home. Yes. Finally, uh, we're now starting to see damage assessments come through, and they've actually finished their what they call make safe works. So once once all that, um, we get the details of what they propose to do and agree to it, then we pay our excess and then the builders start. Mm. <laughs> so I don't see this ending for um, another uh, four to six weeks yet. Gosh. That's, yeah, so, you know, we're over three months away from home now. So, um, yes, and, and believe it or not, the elusive booster has turned up. Wow. I can't put it in. (laughs) (laughs) Have you considered a a micro shelf layout until you get back home? I I thought about it. Like I I, I built a whole heap of kits and Mm. I've still got a bridge kit to do, which Mm. I might do. I've been thinking, well, since we're pretty much locked down in this place, apart from going out for food, because unfortunately Kay and I are in that high risk group with our medical stuff, I might even start planning the later op sessions which i haven't done yet that might be something to keep me engaged for a while because i've built all the all the blue box kits i had mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh. so um it's it, it's certainly different our round robin group has stopped meeting mm-hmm. so you know with, with all the stuff that's going on we can't even go for coffee no because the coffee shops are all takeaway yes yes and, um, at least, at least in South Australia, because the, the the curve has actually gone over, they've actually still allowing us to have ten in a group mm. with social distancing. Do you think that's actually the case, state. though, associated just with? I mean, have they reached a testing saturation? Um, well, I think we've got something like nineteen, nineteen or twenty something testing stations throughout the state. Okay. So there's, there's there's five testing stations here in Adelaide, and my grandson was in one of the places where there was cases, mm. and he rang the hotline number and was told to turn up for a test. Okay. So uh, apart from the hospital's testing, there is, you know, I think there's 19 drive-through testing cool. things where you don't even get out of your car. Okay. Uh, um, so we... Certainly on the news, they reckon that our testing level is supposedly up towards the top in terms of, you know, numbers per population. Mm. But but, uh, they've still got criteria. You just can't turn up. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting going to the doctors. We had to to park in the car park. The doctor came out, had a chat through the window, (laughs) then decided (laughs) you could come in. Uh, When you came in, you um, had to answer all the usual questions. Your temperature was taken, and once you'd passed that, then you were allowed into the consulting room. Mm. So that was quite a different experience. So yes. <laughs> they're yes. doing most most consults by telephone now. 
Yes, it is all very, very interesting. Um, yeah, certainly yeah. while we were there, the, the doctor came out to a car and the next thing he came out and he was all gowned and gloved and whatever and took him off to another place. <laughs> yes. So so they're obviously treating it exceptionally seriously here. So. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, so unfortunately from the way the hobby goes, there's not much to report. Mm. In terms of your crew, I'm assuming you're still all communicating if you're not having coffee and stuff. How... How's you know? How's Roz? How's how's the rest of the crew going? Are they? Yeah, they're they're all they're all coping. Um, you know, um, yes, we are talking to one another. I probably <laughs> get you know three, four, five phone calls a week from different members, mm-hmm. and we message each other on email and stuff. So cool. We're still interacting. The idea is you, you can't just let it go. Well, that's got to keep up social network. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, Jim, stay safe. Thank you very much for calling in. Hopefully, uh, brighter days are ahead. And it sounds like, I mean, if, look, if the, uh, the electronics have arrived, that is a really big, <laughs> big hope that's there. So, yeah. Please. Yes, yeah. I've just got to get in there and, and rearrange the wiring between the boosters because the, this booster has to be on the end of the line. Mm. So it's currently that one is the, the second in the line of the four, so I've got to actually reroute some wiring and probably change the command station to go under the main yard, and then then it's a lot easier. Then. So cool. that just means rerunning it, some of the the power wires and stuff. But that's fine. Terrific, terrific. Well, please pass on my right, regards so to your crew. Thank you very much for calling in, and uh, all the best. Yeah, nice to see Richard uh, Murph on and uh, yeah. Dave. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'll be listening. Wonderful. Talk to you soon. Take care, Jim. Bye. Mike Slater, Clark Kooning. Let's talk about the Twin Cities thing. Let's do that. Because Hello there. Hello. So let's have a little bit of a roundtable discussion. I have on Clark Kooning. I have on Mike Slater. We all watch the Twin Cities um, club do their live video last night. I, in particular, loved Luke Lemon's layout. I thought that was amazing display, a beautiful use of the technology. The weathering was, was fun, but I think certainly I felt the numbers kind of dropped down. I think people would kind of shown up for, for layouts. What, what is the general feeling associated with this? Let's start with you, Clark. What was your feeling associated with what Twin Cities is doing? Well, this is my third weekend uh, mm-hmm. watching them. I thought the first two two Friday nights were just terrific, and I agree with you. Um, I I mean, I was kind of interested in the, I'll call it a clinic, um, but I think it was really just a time waster so that the guy <laughs> could set it up. Yes. Uh, I mean, that was my feeling that yeah. was like, oh, we got extra time. The guys aren't quite ready yet. Uh, what am I going to do? Hmm. So I was okay with that. I think if now that I've been on it for the three weeks, I kind of understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you haven't been on it, uh, a friend of mine here in Elliot Lake, uh, uh, I invited him to get on it and he was watching. And he said to me after that, he says, I didn't understand that I had to sort of like, there was a break and then I'd wait for the next one and almost have to reconnect. Mm. And uh, I said, yeah, I said, it took me the first you know, the first night to figure that out myself. Yeah. And, um, but I, but he enjoyed it and, Mm -hmm. uh, I know I certainly enjoyed it. And, uh, so I think, uh, I think they're doing a great job. I think it will, if 
matter of fact, the other fellow Roy and I were talking about doing one for the Elliot Lake guys, but uh, it was, I thought it was terrific. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I, and I, I'd love to see this catch on around even the world. I'd love to see the guys in, uh, in the Australia area do, you know, maybe two mm. uh, or two or three layouts. And uh, maybe we can get some British guys. I'd love oh, to yeah. see, you know, I'm always been fascinated. We have a big British uh, railway show twice, uh, or I should say once every two years in the mm. Toronto area. And I've always enjoyed going because they were, um, as most British layouts, they're a show layout mm. and not a home, like it's mm-hmm. totally different totally. Uh, uh, modeling. Well, we have on the and, fellows from Kent on a regular basis and they're very much part of that culture. And right. I think um, certainly, I mean, it's a great British train show, right? That's the show in your area. That's what it's called. The great uh, British train show. I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, certainly when Chris Abbott used to be a regular participant, he would talk about it as well. I think the nature of shows in the US, the UK and Australia are all distinctly different. It's really, oh, really it's very interesting, actually, how the different cultures have created. They're all English speakers, but the different cultures have created completely different train shows. And they're kind of unified on a national level because I think a lot of the layouts travel between the various, and certainly the modular community in the US travels end to end uh, of the country. But I think what's interesting is that each culture has imparted their own particular stamp on what a train show should be. And certainly I lament the lack of cross-pollination of the best bits of Australian shows and UK shows and US shows kind of coming together. I think increasingly, as you say, with video and also hopefully international travel, we will get more and more of these ideas percolating. And I know Martin Jenkins, who we have on periodically, has been a real proponent in the Australian area, the NMRA in Australia as well, to start talking about what makes really good train shows in Australia. And part of that is approachability. Part of that is friendly approachability, which honestly a lot of these (laughs) US train shows could learn a lot from. Um, Uh, And we know it. (laughs) And that, I think, is really interesting. My hope is the borders will kind of dissolve somewhat through this and that people will say, hey, wait. And I think the problem with, let's call it what it is, xenophobia, is that the people that should be watching what the Australians are doing aren't watching what the Australians are doing. The people that should be watching what the Brits are doing aren't watching what the Brits are doing. They're kind of maintaining their, you know, island culture, for a better term. And I think that's really what is disappointing here. But slowly but surely, I really like, I have only unfortunately was able to see... Friday's offering um, from Twin Cities. I do also wonder if, I don't know whether Twin Cities are on the same kind of lockdown conditions that a majority of the country is. I see this map where certain states are not yet fully on lockdown. I'm not sure if Twin Cities is fully on lockdown yet. But what would interest me is the ability for layout owners to just do tours of their layouts. It doesn't have to be in real time. It could just be YouTube. Right. Just as a means of like showing people. I mean, Luke Lemons, for me... He's probably a couple of years younger than me. He's built this amazing layout and he's done so over a relatively long period of time. And he did put in a majority of the effort, you know, many years ago and he's been kind of maintaining it and operating on it since. But this guy has got so much knowledge that the half an hour brain picking session that we got plus the actual display of the layout didn't seem like enough time. This fellow no, I- strikes me. Do you know Luke? I have met him uh, once or twice. Mm-hmm. I won't say I really know mm-hmm. know Luke, but I, I have met him. And um, I think there's a lot of guys that uh, 
um, like Thomas Gazier. He's mm-hmm. another guy that has got a lot of information and stuff. So I'd love to see. I think the live is is got a huge advantage mm. uh, because you can interact with the people, mm. much like you know most of us are alive here. Uh, <laughs> Some more than others, yes, yes. That's right, and I think that's a huge advantage when you get to have a discussion mm. with with the the layout owner. Maybe you do sort of a half an hour video, and then you do a live question and answer session. After. Yeah. And get sort of the tour out of the way, and then mm-hmm. people could ask specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be fun. Um, I don't know. I think there's all kinds of ways of doing it. And uh, um, I, well, I, I, I think the biggest thing, though, is that you need to have, when they're doing it live, you, you do need to have at least two people. Mm. Uh, one one person doing the, the camera, uh, and then, you know, maybe he's either in front of the camera or behind the camera in case mm. in, in Luke's case, uh, his son was, was doing the camera work. Oh, I didn't realize well, that. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah Owen, o- Owen Lemons is a very, uh, good moderator wow. also. Yes. Uh, kind, kind of like, uh, uh, a Jim and Peter Rent, uh, mm-hmm. combo duo. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Luke and Luke and Owen. Interesting. Uh, very, very good, uh, people in it. And one of the things that you'd really be surprised at, is a lot of the stuff that Luke is doing with his models is he's going to the swap meets and he's buying the what we would po- probably call the under table box models. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's super detailing them and making them look like uh, mm. a high end model. Mm, so yeah. he's he's very talented and his son Owen is also just as talented, you know, with a, a great mentor mm. as far as a modeler. So you that. clearly know these two gentlemen, Mike Slater. How long have you known them for? I, I've known him for a few years. I've initially started following uh, Luke uh, when I, I seen his, uh, he's got a, a Facebook page called mm-hmm. uh, Sue, S-O-O, the number two, uh, the uh, N-D, and then S-U-B, uh, all, all together as one word is his Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I started following just because of the enormous modeling work. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, uh Back in the day, in that uh, uh, when I used to have uh, Skype calls with uh, Strang, it's like, here you need you need to look at this guy's modeling in that because it's just <laughs> amazing in that. Yeah. Before I really got to know Luke, but uh, end up finding out uh, Luke and I uh, attend some of the larger, more premier slide program shows uh, mm. in my area, and we got to got actually met face to face and uh, got to know each other a little bit better. I I've always threat, threatened it. Friend Luke that I would bring up my uh, WC fleet and me and Owen would take off all this that uh, crummy Sioux line power off the layout and have a Wisconsin Central takeover. Interesting, interesting. of the layout, but uh, mm. <laughs> that, that hasn't happened yet. But, alas, uh, alas. <laughs> but uh, no, it did for me. Uh, some of the, I've actually rail fanned some of the real locations on mm. the Sioux line second sub, and when he did I think about a year or so ago he was doing a live stream of his layout and I just kind of stumbled across it and I'm like oh that looks like Nina and he goes yeah that's Nina hmm. so so you could really recognize a lot of the locations on the layout hmm. you know he's it may not be 100% accurate but it's enough that she can uh, resemble the location certainly and have you actually been to his layout 
Um, unfortunately, no, I haven't. The, the times that I've been in Green Bay, uh, he's usually volunteering uh. Uh, at the Sioux Line Historical Society booth because mm. with him living in Green Bay. Certainly. And by the time he would be back to his house and have his layout open, I'd be halfway home uh, with my buddies in that rail fanning. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. How, how far is Green Bay away from your part of the world? Uh, it's probably only about three, three and a half hours, roughly. Okay. It's still a relative distance, though. I wasn't sure whether it was closer, so interesting. No, the, I, I actually know another gentleman that lives up in the Green Bay area, and uh, I've always been kind of joking with him, hey, you know, we need to do a uh, uh, layout operating weekend, and the one guy that I, that I know... Um, I know I'm good enough where I could bring my air mattress and uh, <laughs> throw it in, throw it in the living room and yeah. spend the night in that type of thing. Because he used to live down uh, by me with a really nice layout, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got that layout up to a point now, I believe, where he's getting close for operations. Wonderful. Also, wonderful. Yeah, I get the impression that there's just a critical mass of amazing modelers and, as you say, really knowledgeable historian folk as well that not just you know, model railroaders through and through, but also know the history. The thing that I find fascinating was when he talked about grinding up foam and using really cheap paint to do all his scenery. Yeah. I mean, he has that uh, that kind of knowledge in the hobby is really important. The, the, the ticket price for a layout that size, as you look at it, you think this is a, you know, if, if he bought materials new and what have you, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff there. <laughs> but when you actually understand, no, he's because he's done it for so long, he's found, how can I make this material as cheap as possible and then utilize it over the entire layout? And I think the thing that I found fascinating was the intimacy that you had through the video. I mean, I've done plenty of layout tours where I've not felt in any way connected with the person who owned the layout because usually they're in a corner answering questions and I'm being shoved through like some kind of sausage factory. So the intimacy of the video I really liked. I really liked a lot of the parts. The only concern I had was, like, the, as we've said, the momentum was lost a little bit between, um, you know, layout one, layout two. Um, but I think um, certainly uh, I found it really fascinating, and I thought there are so many different permutations that this thing can be done in, and obviously currently not an ideal circumstance, but, you know, people are learning through this period as a way of uh, keeping the hobby alive. Do you, in terms of the Twin Cities area, are there any layouts that they haven't done yet? Are there, do you have a list of layouts in that area that you would like I, them to do videos of? I, I don't really know, hmm. uh, of, I don't really know that many. I've heard that there's some really excellent layouts hmm. in the Twin Cities area. I do know, uh, from just kind of following posts and threads, and I think even, uh, William uh, mentioned it in one of the intermissions that the name of the club that escapes me, but uh, they also won a birdie award for the club. <laughs> uh, in fact, now I just see that uh, Luke Lemmings just went live on his two line second sub. I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, they they were talking about doing a layout tour of their layout, and that mm. layout actually I got to see in person when I was up in the Twin Cities area to chase a steam locomotive mm. a few years back. But uh, no, they're not actually uh, this. Uh, Quincy's group, they've actually had people from even Australia want to chime in and do uh, a half an hour live streaming of mm. their home layouts. So it's it's just not a Twin Cities thing because, of course, because yeah. Green Bay is on the other side of the globe. And they've had, I guess, some interest in having people do clinics. I've talked to uh, Thomas Gazier mm-hmm. and 
he was trying to figure, we we're trying, probably going to try to figure out a way of maybe me showing some of my North Shore traction models. You know, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a layout. It uh, can be uh, something that you're working on or even your collection so, of what you're working on. Yes. Well, collections in and of themselves, I think, are, are really fascinating. And here, let's talk a little bit about this. I, I talked about it with Clark a bit. What's your view with regards to live video versus YouTube? Do you think there's, that this live video thing is really considerably more compelling than people just recording regular YouTubes? Or what's your thinking on that? Well, you can also do a live live stream on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how they do it, but, you know, the YouTube model builders, mm-hmm. uh, they do do – it's all live. Uh, so, but I think Facebook, almost everybody's on Facebook also. Mm-hmm. And of course with the YouTube live, you, you can have the live interaction back and forth mm-hmm. of a, a chat bar. So you could do it both ways. But as far as having something that's pre-recorded, you're not really, if somebody's got a question, you're almost having as the person hosting the video, you're going to have to go back in the comments, oh, somebody, yeah. somebody, and then take the time. Well, if you're doing it, via live, either Facebook live or YouTube live, hmm. or there's probably other forms of Certainly. doing it also. Uh, you can at least have that quick response as long as somebody's, you know, also moderating saying, Hey, somebody's got a question on this aspect or that aspect on your layout. Yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting. I mean, it's a, quite a different dynamic without question. I think the quality, I was thoroughly impressed with the quality uh, of the Twin City stuff. I was concerned, blocky video. There were a couple of points in the layout where the video did go out, but in general, it was, I had a large screen monitor. I actually took photos of the video and put them on Facebook just to say, yeah. hey, this is, this is what it's like. Um, yeah. I was really impressed with what they were doing. Yeah. And I, and thought, I, and I thought know. that great, I thought that great northern layout also, uh, this week was fantastic mm. also. Um, but even, uh, you know, with if anybody joins uh, the Twin Cities group, all these videos yeah, are in, in, within the. Uh, you know, you can have to scroll back maybe or do uh, some of the. You know, if usually if you you search, um, I can't think of William's surname, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but if you do you know some searching in that you'll come or I think maybe there's even a videos tab uh, within the page. You should be able to search for the the other videos that were posted from the past couple of weeks. Mm. The The first week time, uh, Gazier had his layout, and I think they learned a lot from the, the first week because Tom would all of a sudden maybe move his camera a little bit too quick, and you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for yeah. a ride. And yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think they all learned, uh, especially Thomas learned when he went to a couple other layouts the following weekend. He uh, had a, a gimbal, and that yeah. helped him slow slow down a bit for the – the panning to different shots of the different layouts. And the second weekend, there was another fantastic S-scale layout. Mm. And uh, William's uh, dad did the uh, his Great Northern layout, which just happened to be this the same segment of the rare, same railroad that was shown on uh, yesterday's episode. Mm. But it just you can see the differences between two guys modeling the same exact segment of oh, the yeah. railroad and how they're modeling it differently in that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was very well done, Mike, and I totally agree. But I think these guys also have invested a little bit of money. Uh, 
as you mentioned, they got these gimbals, and I would, didn't know what a gimbal was from a thimble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, after doing a little research myself, I found out what it was. And, and um, you know, it really stabilizes the camera, and, and it really made, you know, a big difference when you saw when the guys were using it and when they weren't. So uh, I thought it was just well done for, you know, for a bunch of amateur guys mm. who are really good model railroaders. Let's yeah. Think. Yeah. One of the things about the live action is that in the times that we're living, mm. that human mm. alive element of friendship, just like this, is more important than maybe the quality of the the subject in the video. Without question. But they got both right, I think. That was what that was what caught me. That they had both right. <laughs> yep. I I thought they it really it was a you know, to me. Um, after watching the, the first two and, uh, Mike had, Mike and I had talked a couple times during the week and we were looking forward to, uh, you know, Friday night and see mm-hmm. what the twin city guys were up to. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's a, it has become just as this show is a very important social aspect mm-hmm. in the hobby, um, that is filling a huge void right now. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you what I asked Mike Slater. Do you know the Twin Cities Club well? Clark? I don't know. I don't know many of those guys. Okay. I, I used to know a lot of the guys in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul mm. area because of my affiliation to the guys in Winnipeg mm. um, and, and that region, the TLR. Now, mm. I do know a couple of MMRs who are in that area, and I think um, – you know, doing a a video with those guys on some of their rail mm. layouts would be great. Now, one guy who I mean, he, he's making a living on his right now, and he's building a new house, so he doesn't have a layout. Is uh, Jerry Leone, mm. but um, uh, there's some other guys in in the, in the Minneapolis St. Paul area that. Uh, that uh, have some really nice layouts, so that would be uh, fascinating to see. Of course, I think there's layouts everywhere uh, mm. um, that if we could encourage listeners to to think about doing this in their own little area, Certainly. it doesn't have to be as professional. Like my wife came down, uh, PJ came down last night and was watching, and then she asked me what I was watching and what I was, she says, well, why aren't you doing that with yours? I said, well, it's not far enough along yet. Mm. She goes, yeah, but if you did it now mm. and then do it in a month, she says, the way you're working on it, you're going to have a lot done yeah. and people are going to be like, wow. Yeah. And she says, you could do a whole, like, this is where I started and this is where I am today. Certainly. But uh, yeah. she said that uh, she even kind of found it interesting that, um, it held my interest for that long. Mm. Yeah, I think certainly. I mean, Michelle was in the Michelle was in the front room as I was watching it too. The mouse obviously had a starring role for part of um, Luke's layout, but I think in general the quality and the the banter, like it was actually interesting discussion. It was uh, topical, and having done the wander through, I thought, could I draw this layout right? It had almost a, a TARDIS-like property where he goes around the corner like, where is he now? Like, what does this look like in three-dimensional space? And then you obviously and I just felt kind of, and that was one of the, the benefits of the video was that you were focused on the track and the train and what have you. 
and you lost track of where you were in the uh, in the layout itself, which I also thought was really fascinating. You know, you're funny you say that. I was after last night and then this morning, uh, PJ was talking to me about it, and I was thinking about that this afternoon. I was working on some stuff, and I thought I would show a track diagram mm. and and maybe even put it in the chat, and then people could refer to it when mm. you were talking about an area, just so people wouldn't get lost. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, of course, my layout's not that big. It's not a, like, those those two last night were certainly large layouts. I mean, mm. Luke's uh, is, you know, there's some, there's some uh, mileage on that layout, so mm. I think it would be fantastic. But that's that's just all little things you think of as you're doing all this stuff. Mm. And, uh, but yeah, I would, uh, I would love to see, uh, us maybe even as a group, uh, uh, maybe we could get two guys to do it. And, uh, but like Mike said, I think you do need two or three people. Mm. You need somebody to work the camera. The, the, the owner needs to, he can run a train. That's not a problem, mm-hmm. but he needs to explain what's going on. And then either the camera guy or somebody else needs to watch the chat. Hmm. in order to relay questions. Yeah, it's it's a difficult juggling act for live. I think live, from my perspective, has always been something that, and this is to do with lockdown more than anything. I think now it's going to be increasingly difficult to have, unless you can get spouses and children to help out in this regard, but it's increasingly difficult to get that thing working live. What I'm interested in potentially is operating remote operating sessions which i'm hopefully you know trying to spurn a few folk on to and in particular the ability to make some of that more dynamic the ability to have maybe five or six cameras around a layout plus a central camera plus a dispatcher's desk for example you could do some interesting things with that you could do some interesting things with kind of fly on the wall cameras as well that could track you know movement but it is the notion of having three people on a layout these days is becoming less and less possible in certain parts of the world. So I think it's going to be interesting what happens through, you know, the next few weeks slash months slash whatever. But I think the learning through this period of time will probably spawn a lot of additional stuff that will come after this, uh, which could be very interesting as well. Well, that's very true. I, I totally agree there. I think this is a, a great seed to uh to launch uh further um ventures into this whole hobby yeah yeah well i think we're going to have a relatively quiet show today i think folks are obviously off doing other things so wonderful chance to catch up with you both um mike slater any any passing thoughts anything's going on in your are you are you working from home now or are you still having to go to an office no i've been working from home in fact uh uh, we've even uh, set up for uh, our Wise Division because you know Wise Division is the group mm-hmm. that runs Train Fest. Uh, we're doing all of our board meetings uh, with the Wise Division via phone conference. Mm-hmm. Now we, uh, I found a uh, a program which we uh, actually my boss is letting me use it for our division. Wonderful. Uh, so, and we're still planning forward with Train Fest. It's too too early to. Uh, do anything but plan plan for Train Fest mm-hmm. in November, and hopefully by then things will be calmed down and uh, things will be safe for larger groups in it. But it is something that we are are keeping 
lookout on and that, but uh, being that it's uh, about eight months away, you know, you you can't stop planning planning Probably. it, but uh, yeah. you have to also um, keep an eye on the current circumstances also. Certainly, certainly. Well, yeah, thank you both for uh, for having the chat about the Twin Cities stuff. My hope is that we can get Luke and potentially others from Twin Cities on. I think historically, as you said, we've given out a Bertie Award for uh, a train club in the area, so we've had no shortage of of participants that are, you know, in that area. Um, but, yeah, I really am interested in seeing what they're doing. And in particular now, it's almost become a franchise where you'll have potentially, you know, maybe Australian layouts going through the Twin Cities. <laughs> It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. So Yeah, I, I, I think that Facebook page originally started off as just being the modelers in the Twin Cities area. Mm. And then uh, there were, you know, a few outsiders that, you know, maybe went to the Twin Cities for their RPM meet that mm-hmm. kind of joined in, into the group. And when they started uh, doing these uh, Facebook lives, I think their membership in the group uh, multiplied by 10 <laughs> or more. And uh, just, just to give you a rough idea, I think the, the first weekend what they had probably about 30 people, on each of the the layout uh, tours, mm. uh, the second weekend uh, they had about I think the max number was forty nine, mm. and I think with Luke's uh, stream it was a hundred and fourteen mm. people logging in during the live stream. Mm. So it uh, just kind of shows you on how this multiplied and the word got out uh, for Certainly. people around the world. Certainly, as it should, as it should. Yep. This was a. It's interesting because it's how this thing scales. If they have 200 people, maybe not the next one, but the one following, I mean, what are the limits associated with doing this thing through Facebook? I certainly experienced maybe two reconnection points, but I think most of that was actually through their Wi-Fi. It was nothing to do with Facebook. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see how it scales. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the only issue is like with Luke, uh, uh, he has a dead spot in his basement, so that's where where we had the loss of signal with the the cell phone. Uh, and the other thing too, besides uh, uh, looking for th- for that uh, Twin Cities uh, group in that, which I did also post on the Model Rail Radio face uh, Facebook page. Uh, you might have by the time this audio gets released, you might have to do a little search with my name on it, but. Uh, uh, I, I included the Luke Lemons, uh, Sioux Line second sub page and then Williams, Wonderful. uh, uh, the Sioux of the Milwaukee Road. I did his Facebook page too. Terrific. And also look on YouTube for, uh, uh, Sioux of the Milwaukee Road or GN in the seventies. His videos are, that he has on there are probably about 10, 15 minutes long, but the production quality of them is excellent and the, entertainment value there's even some hilarious uh, inserts and all that type of stuff <laughs> so you know watch watch those videos you know you know thomas and, and william were the two that uh, two masterminds behind this uh, friday night thing so uh they're probably the ones to give the the most kudos to i believe this was also thomas's uh tom uh, gazier's mm-hmm. idea so yeah, most uh, definitely. kudos to him for doing such a great job on this. Most definitely. And, you know, Tom is a, a regular on, on Model Rail Radio as well. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting to him sometime, uh, just to, yeah, as you say, give him kudos, but also he's, he's a leader in the hobby, right? He's one of these yep. folks that are, uh, <laughs> you know, well, he, he, he's a newly minted MMR also. So yeah, yes. All exciting stuff. Well, thank you very much, Mike Slater. Thank you also, Clark Cooning, for uh, for having this chat. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. Yep. <laughs>
Well, folks, another model rail radio, a shorter one this week. I think as we go weekly, maybe we'll have shorter ones, maybe we'll have longer ones. We'll hopefully get in new callers. The audio editing portion of this, my hope is to get the UK friendly one out and then try to get the other one out back to back. Unfortunately, it's the wrong time to be angry about being busy, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, editing the audio is a time consuming part, but I'm trying to work through these weekly. So maybe an hour long one will make it a bit easier. Uh, but yes, we are recording weekly, and my hope is that we will have the opportunity to talk to Ron Kleiss and announce the winner associated with the layout design contest. As I said, only two entries, a little disappointed, but I think, you know, in this time, understandable in some regard, and we should probably stick with shelf layouts going forward for these kind of contests. Anyway, thanks for everyone for calling in today, and thanks to the folks for listening in. Good afternoon. Good night, Tom. Good day, good evening, and good afternoon. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, yeah, we, Tom. Like what Mike said, 